come to you on behalf of a God who loves you even more than you know, a God who gave his life to prove that love. But can we talk about some serious things? I want to talk a little bit about pressure mounting. If you've ever had a leaky toilet in the top stairs of your house, uh, you know what can happen in the bottom part of your house. Um, the water seems to find the cracks of your house. And it's good to have rain outside, but rain on the first floor of your house is never really a good deal. But that's the way of water. Water will expose the cracks. Water will show you the imperfections of the build. And that's not just true of the first floor of your house, it's also true in the basement. If you've ever seen the cracks in the side and, and now you have to call the, the U.S. waterproofing um, uh, seepage, I believe, um, you know water tends to find a way. And I bring this up because I believe that we live in a time of incredible pressure. And what is cracking is not the ceilings and is not the basement walls, but where the pressure is finding cracks is in us. See, during the COVID era, we are under so much pressure that whatever was exposed before has really been exposed right now. That if before the COVID era you were a warrior, you've really struggled with worry. That if before the COVID era you struggled with depression or anxiety, those things have really been heightened right now. If there was something bad in your life, let's say a marital relationship or a relationship with a friend, that has gotten worse. And if the way that you cope with things is not always healthy, perhaps you also haven't been coping so well because of the mounting pressure of COVID that acts like water, finding those cracks and exposing them. And that's just not my thoughts. Those are actually uh, thoughts from the CDC. They conducted a survey, and this is what they found. Uh, this is in late June that 40% of U.S. adults report struggling with mental health or substance abuse. This is late June. I wonder what that survey would be right now. Almost half of people said at one point or another, I, I've cracked. And then when you look at young people, surveyed between ages 18 to 24, 75% of them reported struggling with a mental health issue or substance abuse. And of those 
25% reported that in the last 30 days they thought of suicide. These are the real things going on where COVID not only tells us beware of your physical health, but also your mental health. And if you know anything about young people, maybe you know that one of the leading causes of death, one of the top three, is suicide. And all of the pressure that's going on and the cracks that are exposed, what help does our society give us? What help is social media and movies and Netflix? Social media, what does it do? It makes you think that you have cracks, but everyone else is perfect. As you see, they're highly real. And social media will kill contentment with a comparison culture. What do movies do? It was a few years ago, I remember watching this movie, um, got rave reviews, and it was all about romanticizing someone taking their life because after an accident, they didn't have a preferred lifestyle and they weren't able to do what they would otherwise have done. And they praised it as, as kind of this winsome thing, this bold thing that they would take their lives. That's the way of Hollywood, by the way. It will romanticize what is wrong. What about Netflix? A a few years ago, uh, there was a series that came out documenting a a teenager who committed suicide. It's not helpful. But that's why I love being in this place. This world is filled with so much noise and so much that doesn't help. But when we gather around God's word, The Spirit uses that to infuse perspective and hope and peace, even in a crazy world. And I want to remind you, if you're just watching us, there is the Prince of Peace right now available to you. And when we look to Him, He is enough. He can help you no matter how bad it feels right now. And when it comes to thoughts of life, consider His boundaries. Consider what He has told us. Some of you know the fifth commandment. In Exodus 20, He says, you shall not murder. And this murder does not just describe uh, taking the life of other people, but an extension of this command is even our own lives. We're not in charge of our birthday. And so we shouldn't be in charge of the day the Lord calls us. God's in charge of those things. He gave the gift of life. And in a positive regard, Think of what we heard from Psalm 139. So much perspective about the gift of life there. The psalmist said, You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Why do Christians believe in life at conception? Because of what God has said. He was knitting me together. He had a plan for me, even in the womb. And even before any of my days were ordained or came to be, He had us in mind. What a great God. And then he describes the quality. He says, fearfully and wonderfully. God says, you're not an accident. You're not junk. And your family might refer to you as the oops baby, but let's be honest, there is no oops when it comes to God. In fact, one of my favorite stories is this, um, that that God was making a a human, and um, he called his angels over, and he was going to show off. 
And so while he's creating, uh, there's smoke flying and there's sparks flying. And, and he's just giving all of his creative energy, giving all of his beauty, all of his intricacy into this one. And the angels, they look and they're like, wow, you overdid this one, God. This is too much. And they're just, wow. And you know who he made? You. But also you. And you, and you, and me. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. We're beautiful in God's sight. There is no junk. There is no oops. How good is God? And so what we learn then, our our first takeaway if you're taking notes though, is this, that suicidal thoughts, man, they're a danger zone. Because of God's commands and because of the good things God has said about life, these are areas that we need to be aware of. But what I also tell you is that if you've ever been there, if you've ever despaired, I would say you are not alone. Many people have gotten to that point of despair. In fact, the character that we're going to turn to got to that point. Today we're going to have a a discussion about a man named Elijah. And and I need to tell you a little bit about Elijah. Elijah is one of the most flawless characters in all of Scripture. You could almost consider him perfect if not for this event. Let me tell you a little bit of how impressive Elijah is. Elijah shows up on the screen of of Scripture, and he comes to uh, uh, King Ahab and Jezebel, and, and, and he pretty much says, on behalf of God, there will be a drought because you're wicked. And then Mike drops, walks away like a champion. I mean, this is Elijah. He is an impressive dude. Elijah is one where there was a drought and famine. He was fed by ravens. Uh, God loved him so much that birds fed him. And he was also fed by a widow who didn't have enough, but God made it enough. Elijah is one who had a duel with the spiritual forces of his time went up to a place called Mount Carmel, and there there was a duel between the prophets of Baal. They made this sacrifice, and whoever answered by fire would be the true God. And if you read this account, it's, it's so incredible. Um, the, the prophets of Baal tried to do all that they could, cutting themselves, screaming, dancing, nothing. Elijah says one prayer. Immediately, the Lord sends uh, fire from heaven that not only burns up the sacrifice, it burns up the stones. That's incredible. Any of you have a fire pit and you use stones around it? What, what kind of fire is this? And God just showing off for Elijah. In fact, Elijah's name means, my God is the Lord. You talk about an almost flawless character, and yet Elijah would tell you that if you've ever struggled with suicidal thoughts, Elijah would raise his hand and say, I've been there. It's a lot, isn't it? This world, sometimes it's just too much. That's what we're going to hear about. We're going to hear about what God did for Elijah. We're going to hear how he got there. Listen to the word of God, and today, in honor of the word of God, can I, I just invite you to please stand. And so our lesson comes from uh, 1 Kings uh, chapter 19. Here it says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, How he killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. 
Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him, and said, Get up and eat. The journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and he spent the night. These are the powerful words we're going to consider. Um, I'd love to participate just a little bit. So could you say out loud, there's always hope in Jesus. There's always hope in Jesus. Amen and amen. Please be seated. You know, too much of anything can be really bad for you. You ever found that with a food? Uh, anyone ever uh, ate too much of a certain food and found out, oh, that wasn't a good choice? And I forget, I was born in El Paso, Texas, so I loved spicy food. And when I got to those bell peppers, you know the ones that um, are in the Olive Garden salads? The ones that come with the Papa John's pizzas? I loved them because here was a pepper I could eat and not burn my tongue off right? Different than jalapenos. And so I remember when my mom bought a whole jar of these, and in a day I ate the jar. It's not a good plan, friends. It took me a good 15 years to ever want to eat another one of those. Uh, too much of anything is, is sometimes problematic, and, and I learned that through a, a news lesson about black licorice. Um, here is something, and by the way, I'm just curious, how many of you like black licorice? Okay, my mom, she would point to these uh, packets of gum called blackjack. Do you remember this gum? And, um, and, and so um, black licorice, uh, there was one guy who really liked it, that he ate so much of it, he died. Uh, this happened in Massachusetts uh, recently within the last two weeks. And I guess one of the reasons he died is because black licorice uh, contains an acid. Uh, let me try to pronounce it. Um, glyceric acid. And I guess too much of this um, uh, is too much. And I bring up this because, you know what? Too much of almost anything is too much. I was reading another article that when people are too positive and they're not empathetic, and, and let's say they tell parents who are in the midst of like infancy, you know, um, who are changing dirty diapers all the time and not getting any sleep, when, when someone's too positive and says, you're going to miss those days, like that's too much positive, okay, in that moment, right? And not a lot of emotional intelligence. Or you think of work, like it's really good to have a job. It's really good to have a purpose. But who of us hasn't related to the fact that sometimes too much on the job and too much of work, that will run you ragged? Or kids, you know, it's so wonderful to provide for kids, to, to try to make their day, to take them to certain things. But when your schedule is dictated by your children and, and you can never scratch that itch enough, you know that sometimes it's just too much even though it's a really good thing. But then there's the negative parts of life. Sometimes grief can be too much. 
And pain can be too much. And anxiety can be too much. And I bring this up because too much is where Elijah was at. Why is he despairing of life? Because he came to a point where it was just too much. This is what Elijah said to God. He said, I've had enough. And what's really interesting translating from the Hebrew is that that uh, phrase was just one Hebrew word. And the one Hebrew word, you know what it was? Much. (laughs) He went to God and he's just like, much, Lord. (laughs) Much. Much. And the funny thing is, for Elijah, it was much of good. Even better than black licorice. What he was doing, he was serving the Lord and trying to create revival through the land. During a time when there was rebellion against the one true God, he was trying to bring him back. And he was doing a swimming job of it. He had just defeated the prophets of Baal in this duel on Mount Carmel. And he was representing the Lord well. And after that great duel, maybe he thought it was going to be done. After that duel, maybe he thought, well, finally they know there is the one true God. Finally they're going to turn around. And instead of having that winsome moment and finally being done, Jezebel threatens his life. Which, by the way, I, I don't think we use the name Jezebel. And you know there's biblical roots in that. Not a great person. And Jezebel says, I'm going to make your life as the prophets of Baal. Threatens Elijah. What's really interesting is that his fear of Jezebel is irrational. What's really interesting is that if you just saw the Lord send fire down from heaven to consume even stones, you should be like, Jezebel, you got nothing on me. And by the way, if you know the story of Jezebel, she does not meet her end well, folks. Not good to go against the Lord. But it doesn't matter. Because for Elijah, regardless of how he got there, regardless of the irrationality of it, it doesn't matter. He's just in a too much area. And here's what we learn. That, that too much of anything can lead us into a danger zone. Too much of good, too much of bad, can make us very susceptible spiritually. And then I think of how sometimes we're tempted to handle our too much. Uh, just some self-reflection. How well do you handle your too much? I remember this character growing up that I watched um, on Saved by the Bell. Anyone know the show Saved by the Bell? Uh, trying to keep it light on a serious topic. Uh, there was this, ca- this character named Jesse Spano, and, and her goal for too much was to use prescription pills. And, and she's like, I want to be in everything, I want to do everything. And so she was taking these prescription pills. And she got to this uh, moment, and, and, and if you grew up watching the show, you know this moment. And I'm so excited, I'm so excited. And then she starts crying, I'm scared. And I wish this didn't relate to us as much as it does. But, but Jesse Spano is like kind of the, the poster child in, in this moment for how a lot of people are dealing with their too much. Because sometimes, to be very honest, when we deal with too much, we cope in ways that are unhealthy. And some of that can be about substances. We we can cope with alcohol and nicotine. Now it's legalized that we have pot. We can cope with prescription medicines. 
And by the way, on that topic, I, I'm not against um, what doctors say. I'm not a doctor. Um, but I, I, I sometimes hear that maybe they are overprescribed and, and not even monitored well. Um, and so just a word of caution, though. You're not sinful if you've consulted a doctor. I just love you guys. Okay? And instead of a substance, what does God warn us? God says in 1 Corinthians, I have the right to do anything. There are a lot of things that are legal for me that I could do, but I won't be mastered by anything. That if right now our solution for too much is to be mastered by a substance, that's a danger zone. It's a danger zone. Or then I think of another very common way of handling too much. It's to look to me. Well, I just got to try harder. Just got to work more. Got to pull myself up by my bootstraps, and, and that's what's going to win the day. And yet, let's be honest, have you been enough? Have you been perfect during COVID-19? Are you ever enough? You know, one of the, the craziest Christian lies is this, that God won't give you more than you can handle. Have you heard this? Every day is more than I can handle. Can I be honest? Every day. Every day was so much for the disciples that they actually died martyrs' deaths. That was too much for them. And so what I find is a need to repent. Repent of times that maybe I've simply relied on myself. Repent of a time that maybe I've, I've used or overused a substance when really I needed my Savior. Because the reality is this. The world is too much for us. But the good news, it's not too much for Christ in us. The world is too much for us every day. Even the small things. But it is not too much for Christ in us. And that's what I love about Elijah. Where is Elijah in this moment? Elijah is not with a substance and he is not self-reliant. Elijah is with the Lord. And Elijah pours his heart out to the Lord. And in that, Elijah finds help. You know what's interesting about parents? Parents love it when they can help their children. Would any parents confirm that? For example, I have a teenage daughter, and what I love is when my daughter asks me for advice. I really like, I'm not sure I have great advice all the time, but I love that she comes. Or when they need help in, in this area or that area, I love when, when God uses me to be the helper. And if I as a parent can relate to this, think of your heavenly father. Your heavenly father, even in a more superior way, says, my child is coming. This is awesome. My child needs me? All right. My child wants my advice? All right. I get a help. This is great. And so one of the ways that we get out of the danger zone and one of the ways we experience Christ in us is to have prayer. The way out of the danger zone of too much is to continue to be in prayer with the Lord. To seek Him first, not second. To go to Him first before anything else. 
I consider Jesus. You see, it's not only Elijah that experienced too much. Do you know Jesus even got to a point when this world was too much? Jesus said this in the Garden of Gethsemane, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. But then what did he do when he felt that? Did he go to the bar with his buddies? No, he took his buddies along and he asked them to pray. Watch and pray. Would you pray with me? Because the way out of the danger zone of too much is to pray. To seek our God. You know, I love what it says in the book of Hebrews. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. What are we going to find? We're going to find mercy. When you go to God, you have a God who has forgiven your sins and given you the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And you can approach with confidence because you know through faith you are his child. If you're online and you're wondering, can I go to God? What you're going to find is mercy and grace. Don't be scared. He loves to forgive and redeem and call you his. But he's not just going to remind you your sins are forgiven. What it also says is he's going to help us in our every need. Not just our spiritual need, but our physical needs, our earthly needs. He loves to be that helper. How great is our Savior Jesus? The help that he gives us. So we're going to see what he did for Elijah. And to talk about this a little bit, I want to talk to you about a lawnmower purchase I had recently. Um, I had an old lawnmower about 12 years old, and so I needed to get a new one. I love the self-propelled action just in case I'm gone and someone else can use it. Um, and this, this self-propelled had something called a personal pace. Personal pace. And I haven't toyed around with it yet, um, but my hope is that that personal pace can be like really fast. I know some of you enjoy cutting the lawn. I don't. I want it done. <laughs> um, and so I'm hoping that that personal pace can be like a, a quick jog, <laughs> you know. But, but I'm kind of curious, like, what happens if like the personal pace is like too much and what happens if I set it to a certain thing and now I like can't keep up with it and and now like uh, what happens if it like starts dragging me and like you know I could just imagine myself I put it to like jog and then I trip and now like the lawnmower is going and I'm just like getting you know all that way because I wanted to like cut it really fast right and now imagine like the neighbors are watching out the window and they're just laughing ridiculous pastor right you know and, and let's say they come and they say hey maybe you should slow the pace down and what if I say no I like it this way. <laughs> Can you imagine how ridiculous that'd be? They just saw me dragged behind my personal pace lawnmower, like, no, I like it this way. Don't tell me to slow down. I have a point. When it comes to your life, who's setting the pace? Who's setting the pace? Many times it is us. And you know what happens? Sometimes we set it to that jog and we trip and it's, it's dragging us behind. We're trying to keep up and we're looking ridiculous and everyone knows it. And then when someone tries to help us, you know what we say? 
I like it this way. <laughs> In fact, if you would do life like I did life, your life would be better off. Lazy bones, right? And so sometimes we just need to pause and, and we need to analyze, like, am I doing life at the right pace? Why do I bring this up? I bring it up because of where Elijah was at. Elijah says his pace was really good. God, I have been very zealous. When it comes to my life for you, I have been sprinting and I have been working hard. I have been so zealous. In fact, he says that two times in chapter 19. Look at me. Elijah even thinks he's the only one left. I'm the only one serving you. It's all up to me. If I don't serve you, your kingdom's going away, God. All right, so you're lucky to have me, but I'm going to tell you it's a lot right now. And God's probably like, cute, Elijah. Cute. And you know I have 7,000 other people just like you who haven't bent the knee to bail, but cute that you think you're the only one. Oh, and it's all up to you, your zealousness, that's what's going to win the day. Oh, okay, uh-huh. Not it at all, right? It's not all up to Elijah. It never was. He's not the only one. And so one of the ways that we value life is by monitoring our pace. And let's be honest, if you've ever been in the place where you say, you know what, it's all up to me, it's not going to work out unless I do it. The world's going to collapse unless I fill in the details. Watch out. I would grant you that certain seasons of life are crazy. I would grant you that certain weeks are that way, certain circumstances. But perhaps we do have more control over our lives than we think. Perhaps there are times where we can say no to things, where we can pause, where we can slow down and maybe need to. Because what I've found in my own life is that as I set my personal pace, I am my own worst task manager. I don't know about you. And so a word of caution. Is your pace too much? is maybe the reason you're feeling the cracks because you're just doing too much. And someone needs to tell you to slow down. Maybe someone just needs to tell you you don't need to be in everything. If you're a young kid, you don't need to be in everything to prove that you're something. You're already something to God. Maybe someone needs to remind you it's not all on your shoulders. Yes, you have some responsibility, but it's not all up to you. As Elijah was in this place, I love the profound yet simple answer that God gave him. When Elijah was so stressed out and so beyond where his emotional strength had gone, God shows up and look what happens. He lay down under the bush, fell asleep, and all at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. God knows the good of naps and food. And sometimes when life has gotten too much, I wonder how much of it is just you need to get a good night's sleep and you need to eat some good food. 
And I, I kind of wonder what is the, the cake that God made over the coals. You know, he's the original cake boss. Did he use fondant? I don't know. But, but how good it is when we get what our body needs. In fact, this didn't just happen once. Look what happens uh, again. We read it twice. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. Because sometimes, to be honest, you just need to sleep and you need to get a good meal and you need to take care of the body that God gave you. And that can restore your spirit. Sometimes you just need to say, today is done, but guess what? I get to wake up tomorrow and I'm probably not going to be feeling exactly the same. I just need to go to bed. That's okay. God can restore us in this way. I think of the God who, when he was in charge of his people, he says, six days you can do your work, but on that seventh day, guess what you're going to do? You're going to rest. And you're going to rest because I love you and your body needs it. But what else did God do for Elijah? Look here. He tells him, go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. Anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, over king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah to succeed you as prophet. So what he does is he points him to his purpose. He says, Elijah, you still have good work to do. There's a reason you're on this planet. And Elijah, I'm going to give you aid. You're not the only one. In fact, if you know anything about Elisha, he was a, an incredible guy. And by the way, you're not going to have to wrestle with King Ahab and Jezebel forever. There's a new king coming. So God sets purpose in Elijah's life and redirects him to the help he would grant. Here's also how we cope with, with life. We remember that there is a purpose that God puts you on this planet. That if you're here, you still have a purpose. And so we should value every life, not only yours, but everyone who exists, because every life has a purpose. Paul said it eloquently. He said, if I'm living, it's for Christ, even though to die would be gain. But here again, society doesn't always help us. Sometimes society says, well, if you can't contribute, you no longer have a purpose. And so sometimes we look down on the young because they're not contributing. And sometimes what's crazy is we look down on the elderly. Those who have so much wisdom and life experience who could give to us so much, we look down and say, well, you don't have a purpose. Sometimes we like to decide when someone's time should be up. Well, if it's not the great quality of life, if it's not serving a purpose, who's to say that God isn't using a purpose out of every life. You, you consider even a case of dementia or stroke, maybe that purpose is just so that other people can serve that person and be Christ-like to that person, regardless of what that person can do. God plans our purpose. I'd remind you that there is a purpose that you're on this planet. Overall, it is to glorify God, but may He also, through the Spirit, give you specific direction on what you should be doing in this season of life and remind you that it's important. If you're on the planet, you have a purpose. But then he gave Elijah help. Exactly what he needed for that season. That's what he does. He is our helper. I love the psalmist David who said this, 
Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. Whatever is going on in your life, the Lord knows how to make a way and give you what you need. And sometimes, in his mercy, that need is other people. And if you've ever struggled with suicidal thoughts, I want you to know it is good to talk to other people, to talk to a pastor. Uh, it's the reason there are crisis centers, um, to, to talk to a Christian counselor. Uh, let others know so they can help you. God uses others. But if you've ever been in that place or if you can relate to it, you're not alone. This time has put pressure on all of us and it's exposed the cracks. May you continue to get out of the danger zone through prayer, receiving the mercy of God. May you recognize that it is still purpose for you being on this planet. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we pray for all who feel overwhelmed by life's pressures. We pray especially for those who may be struggling with suicidal thoughts. Protect them, Lord. Show them your love and aid and point them to their purpose. We thank you for your gentle goodness to us, providing for our bodily needs. But more important, we thank you for providing for our spiritual needs through our Savior Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.